This is Radio Free Galaxy. It's time to go. This is the Space Age, and we are here to go. Welcome to Radio Free Galaxy. I'm Travis Lee, and tonight is Saturday, December 19, 2020, and our very own Trisha Peterson has been in the studio all day with her band Murder Generation recording their second album, and we thought it would be really cool to have her on after she's done recording and uh, have an interview that we have lined up. Trisha, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm really actually really fucking tired, and I know you are, too. Yeah, you know, it's uh, my voice is losing it a little bit. This is fourth podcast in three days, so uh, I'm going to try to keep it together as much as I can. But uh, I know you've been third, playing all day. It's my third, and I've been in the studio all day, so I don't know who wins here. Well, I guess you got me beat, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, who do we have on, dude? So today, uh, we are live from the studio, and we are with our producer, sound engineer, uh, the infamous, or Paul Knievers. Uh, All right. Yeah, in, infamous, unfamous, notorious. Yeah, every, <laughs> name all it. of the above. Check all the boxes, because that's, that's Paul here. Excellent. So. Uh, so, uh, how, so we were in the studio all day, and this is like, you know... Um, it's not happening as often because everybody, you know, we got the, the whole pandemic thing going on and keeps, you know, God, I keep bringing it up. Um, so how'd it go today? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, but a lot of people have had off and I haven't. Neither have I. I've been mixing since the second week of March when a lot of our events started canceling or postponing for the summer live events shows for our bands our production company does a lot of really cool local festivals and that started canceling but um i had a bunch of albums on my plate and i was able to just continue working on those albums well into the summer um, right so we really didn't get any free time or break time until maybe July. That's, when, more, that's more than I got. Yeah. When we, we finally got to summer and we're like, Hey, we, we would normally be doing, and we'd name the festival that, you know, we'd normally be doing chill on the hill today. Oh, yeah. rats. 
Uh, yeah, so that's one thing uh, to to mention about Paul. So, like, in addition to him, you know, you know, uh, recording bands, you know, every type of kind of like any kind of band from the city, um, he's also, you know, one of one of the the main dudes when it comes to doing sound in the city. So, like, all those festivals that we all love, that we all miss so much. That's like, you know, that's that's like Paul's gig, you know, that's like, he's going around the city and doing, yeah, like he mentioned, chill on the hill, you do like Locust Street and Center Street and you do Summerfest. It's a testament to stubbornness <laughs> that I've been so stubborn. Some people would mistake it for perseverance. It's not idealized in any way mm-hmm. like that. It's just stubborn. But I guess when I like to do something, I like to do it a lot. Yes. And so which is always a question in life of balance when you find things you like you know i tend to go overboard and Mm -hmm. and save myself by scheduling so much that i can't get too into any one you know um passion you know so with the festivals they um they keep us busy on a schedule but it's a real flexible schedule for living and life and i guess katie and i are used to being able to say no, not get fired from our jobs, but then there's many jobs where we're the boss, so we yeah. can't say no to that. And uh, we run crews, and, and we are really blessed to have so many good people in our life who have our backs that enable us to support us in what we do. Mm-hmm. Right. But it wouldn't happen if I wasn't stubborn. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and I don't take no for an answer, because I don't. No. And, right. and, and, you know, if if there's something I want to do, I find a way to do it. And, yeah. and so that people support that. And then you end up being in business. And all these businesses we do were just largely an accident. Right. That we started doing stuff and then did more of it. And then people asked us if we could do that with them. And then kind of like how I started producing albums. And I had recorded my own bands through the 70s and 80s. Jesus Christ, how fucking old are you? I'm just kidding. And, <laughs> I'm just and, kidding. I'm and, just kidding. Hey, I'm just kidding. I, no, not just stubborn. I'm fucking old and stubborn. <laughs> because when you get old enough, well, you learn a couple of things. Hopefully. Yeah. Some of us do. Mm-hmm. But also, if you keep trying something over and over, well, even a broken clock's right twice a day, right? So <laughs> if you do stuff long enough, you end up hopefully getting better at it. And if you enjoy it, you're really lucky. Yeah. But, uh, when I first bought a studio, it was kind of uh, an accident. I, I hated my job. I was a district manager for Hardee's. I went into food Ooh. service because you could work flexible hours and not Wait, lose so, your job. You were, you were playing music, right? And playing in a lot of bands. I, I started yeah. playing in bands when I was like 13. And, uh, way, way, way back when, before we were born. When people wow. were writing music on stone tablets, wow. carving <laughs> the notes into the tablets, that's when I started playing. And uh, No, but it's funny because uh, once you uh, develop a passion for something and dedicate yourself to it, then you try to do the research to learn what your passion is all about. Right. And the joy about choosing music yeah. and why every one of you musicians out there who are younger and may feel discouraged, mm. dejected, depressed, suicidal, homicidal, 
all kinds of things from a pandemic. None of that shit matters anything. Right. If you're a fucking musician, you play music, pandemic, no pandemic, you find a way. You can't not be a musician. It's not, what else would I do? It's, I really don't know how to do anything else. It's what I focus on. And so yeah. once you get to that point of acceptance, where you know that's what you are. You know, that's 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 actually super valid because, I mean, I don't know if you know my entire story is that, like, you know, I grew up, so I started playing music when I was four. Wow. And then, um, you know, I, I was, like, a really good flute player. Um, Travis will vouch for that. Yep. Um, I got a full scholar, full ride to college, everything. And uh, I was, you know, rated really high from the time I was just, just young. So by the time I got to college, you know, then I, I started playing in my first, one of my first, I played in a couple bands in high school, but my first real band, which we keep bringing up and I'm going to bring it up was a gothic metal band. <laughs> and I'm not going to say the fucking name again. Um, cause I've already said it too many times. Um, but you know, it was like, you know, that was like my first like shared experience and I actually didn't have a pleasant experience, but I got married after that. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm new to this. <laughs> you got to say the name. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and yeah. I can't I can't be part of this conversation without knowing okay, the, name, the name of the band. The name of the band was Walls of Saturday's Movement. <laughs> That's an interesting band name. Fucking emo as hell before emo was a thing, right? I've heard it I've heard it a hundred times but it still makes me laugh every time I hear it. Yeah, anyways, yeah, so we were a gothic metal band, you know, we had I was a keyboard player. I was a keyboard player in the band, um, and it was heavy keyboards, you know, it was, that, was, that was the thing, it was like with metal and all sorts of, like a million fucking parts, and it might have been, might have been like prog goth metal, or for all I know, I don't know, but um, after that, like, my experience wasn't the best, but then I got married, and I got married to somebody who wasn't a musician, wasn't a creative type, and didn't understand that, and that relationship actually lasted 15 years, and that entire 15 years... I really like look back in hindsight at how miserable I was because even when I attempted to try music, like he kind of like goaded me, you know, like to, to try to get me to not do it and like whatever. You know, the first thing when I got divorced in 2010 was like, I'm going to fucking play music again. I mean, because it's always there, right? That's, that's, that's how that works. It was like, I was like, I moved out of the house. My divorce wasn't even finalized. I'm like, I'm like, I want to be in a fucking punk band. I'm going to buy a bass. Like, I played, like, ten instruments at that point, but I was like, I need an instrument that I can play in a fucking punk band. So I learned how to play bass. And then I started, you know, I was in that other band, Knuckle Duster or whatever, for however long, and then that, you know, ended, and then I ended up in Murder Generation with Rich, and Rich and I went to high school together. Travis knows Rich, because I went to high school with Travis as well. So, you know, but it's like what you're saying. It's like, when you're a musician, it's like, right now, I don't really give a shit about like anything else in my life because I'm actually the happiest I've been because yeah. I'm doing all this creative shit. When you're a creator, you have to do that. Yeah. You just like, it's in you. You have to do that. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. there's the many phases that you got to go through, you know, in life. And then the regular routine that most people choose is not the routine that musicians live that um, you know we don't go to school get a degree get married have children 
Seek I did two out of the three things you just said. Seek advancement <laughs> in our chosen career. Well, I did a number of those things too. I just never stopped playing music. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, choose a career, seek advancement in that career, sometimes change careers. Musicians and artists are generally uh, looking to first create music and careers and jobs uh, aren't that important when you're younger because you're just looking to make music. Well, after a number of years, you start attempting to validate golf by showing that you can make some money at it and also because it helps be able to continue it. So then you start thinking about what music do I really want to play versus what music can I play and make money. And many people choose to play cover songs, oh, yeah. which enables you to be a musician, but not an original musician. And you make a shit ton of money. But a lot of people that. do that so they can actually do the stuff that they want to do. That is the most biggest piece of bullshit no? that I've ever fucking heard in my life. Oh, that's really? A, that's, <laughs> as, that's as much as uh, relevant as saying, if you just learn some covers, then you'll you'll appeal to your audience and they'll like your originals then. Yeah. Also complete bullshit. Yeah. If you're good, you brand yourself, you sell yourself for what you believe in. If you Absolutely. want to be a cover musician, you'll be a great cover musician. It's not going to lead you to anything. Maybe some technical ability, but it actually has more drawbacks, in my opinion, than it does benefits. Because it takes a, when I did cover bands after work, I came home and didn't want to play music. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that sucks. Because I had played so many shitty songs from other people that I'd played so many times before. It was not inspirational to me. Whereas what I do now in the studio producing other people, it doesn't affect me the same way. And so when I'm done with a session, I'm liable to go play piano yet tonight or do something else because it hasn't induced those songs. And also the quirkiness of... I feel like some things in life, like when you do them for money, it may take away some of the purity of them, a joy, joy of purity. But I would agree with that. Certainly I'm, I'm actually, personally, I'm like... You know, uh, like I don't listen to podcasts because I don't want to be corrupted. Like I like doing this on, on, you know, Travis listens to podcasts, but I'm like, no, dude, I'm going to do this on the way that I want to do it. I don't care what other people do. Like I don't want to imitate somebody else's art form. And it's, it goes, I was actually just saying this earlier where I was like, I don't even learn other people's songs. Now we did a cover. We did do a cover, but we didn't made it our own. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that might be the only song that I know from somebody else. I don't know other people's songs, and I intentionally do that. Where I'm like, I don't want to learn other people's songs because I feel like I'll be corrupted somehow by it. See, but I love playing other people's music. This is the dichotomy in yeah. that I love, absolutely adore learning someone's craft of how they write songs, yeah, I don't... and then. Getting together with some friends and playing it, yeah, but not for fun. Sure. For fun, and one of the joys, and you know, there's a uh, all messed up a number of other festivals where people play other music, and uh, oh, spoof like spoof fest. Well, spoof fest is cover songs. All messed up is people covering local bands, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, I didn't. Oh. Um, but yeah, I was involved in spoof fest. I've never been in an all messed up band yet, but I'd love to be. Um, but, uh, uh, in Spoofist, people cover one band once, 
and they yeah. then they don't do yeah, it again, that's and that's it's really like we're just fun. gonna do it this one time, and we're gonna go all in. Like they're gonna dress up like the band, they're gonna play multiple songs by the band, we're gonna like put wigs on, we're gonna. You know, we're going to make it as authentic as possible, and everybody goes out and has a blast. And some of that has yielded bands that have become tribute bands or cover bands, or My Buds and Vitalik, an incredible mashup band who has yeah. been so successful doing what they do. But that is, is, Who's in that? Uh, is Jeff Hamilton in that one? Or Jeff has it? been an on-and-off member, Tyke okay. Kinnis, Paul Terrian. Um, Tinker is the main dude, James Lenfield <laughs> behind yeah. it, um, Michael Tierney. Uh, the band is incredibly talented, and what they do is wonderful. And they've done, uh, the mashup is unique. Uh, Spoof Fest really isn't about mashups, so that was a unique thing. I don't know if they did it originating from Spoof Fest, but it, it certainly was in that era when Spoof Fest was doing shows at the Globe and stuff that they started. And... Uh, so it's fun to play music from other people. It can be a career. Just for me personally, I didn't enjoy playing covers. It didn't make me feel inspired. Whereas producing other songs from other bands, construction jobs. I love construction jobs. You don't think about music at all. I come home from doing weird jobs, helping my friends build stuff. And I'm very motivated to songwrite. So whatever your personal point of reference is, in your life that makes you creative that's part of the learning process and development is where in life sure. married not married in a regular job in an irregular job four jobs you know no jobs wherever you get your comfort zone from that enables you to be happy with yourself and what you're creating that's what musicians look for yeah. that process takes for the lucky ones not so long for the other ones like me we spend our whole lives looking for finding, supporting, nurturing, and maintaining the foundation that stays under our feet that allows us to be creative. My route was to do things in the music business that were close to music, but not so close that they took away my joy of playing music like cover bands did. Right. So in production and mixing the live shows and doing producing albums in the studio, I do all that stuff for a living. Um, and the bands I play in are rather intentionally non-commercial in their ideology. We do not write songs specifically in any of the groups. Hey, let's write a song that's pop. I know friends of mine that do that and they're very successful. That's not my route of, of right. creative satisfaction. And you got, you got a, obviously a very extensive catalog and you've done so, like you've just been involved in so many projects. And I mean, I feel like every musician in the city should know you in some capacity or probably cross your path in some in some capacity. Well, the problem um, is I suck at promotion. <laughs> and it, and my, that's why you're here. My, well, thank, <laughs> I need all the help I can get. Thanks, Tricia. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I'm a shameless self-promoter. And but, you're the self-deprecating promoter. My friends have been telling me this for decades. Hmm. How come you have this library that you've written that's not available to anyone. <laughs> and it's in, it, you know, all style. I mean, virtually I write everything but new country and opera and I'm not done yet. I might write a new country song yet, <laughs> but the library is so vast. It's well over 500 songs. We've been trying to start listing it and get all the accreditation for all the co-writers and musicians. And it's a huge task. I need 
20. Yeah, you got to get it out there. I need though. 20 interns, really, to get all this stuff done. But Katie, my wife, has been helping, and we've been trying to catalog it. And all the songs, they bring back stories and memories. And what happened here? And the band that did two albums and broke up. And the band that did one album. And uh, Milwaukee bands have a history of doing an album and breaking up. They do. They hey, really we're do. At, we're at, hey, we're like, uh, we're on number two. Ah! Look at us. Well, you already uh, exceeded <laughs> all expectations for yeah. Murder Generation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, getting the catalog on, um, some people would say... Try and make some money off that. Well, I have licensed songs, films, TV shows, all that kind of stuff. That's not the main motivation. The main motivation is I'm a songwriter. I love writing songs. It's what I do just about every day. Producing, production, those are all means to an end to keep me around creative people and create the foundation for a supportive web of interrelated artists and musicians who surround us in our lives and enable us to be inspired every day by the people that we come in contact with. Yeah. So it's really a blessing doing the production and various services we do and how it folds back to us. And, and, and you uh, produce uh, all, all, you run the gamut on like, you know, genres. I kind of hate that word. Um, but you run the gamut on everything. Like I know when we were recording our last album, like, you know, if you're not familiar, my band Murder Generation is like this like older 80s style, like kind of hardcore punk, like whatever. But then like while we were here, like Brown's crew was coming in and um, they're like uh, uh, like uh, Latino, English, uh, hip hop. Like, well, actually, kind of it's, they're bilingual. Yeah, Depending yeah, yeah. on the so, audience, so, they'll, they'll do their songs in either Spanish or, or but, English. I mean, it, I listen to their, I have their record on my thing, yeah. on my on my um spotify or whatever and uh um i know a lot of their songs like they do verses in english and then they do the verse in Spanish. then somebody else does it in spanish and they got the i i actually really liked it because when we were talking to him he's like oh you guys got the two singers going on too just like they got the two guys you know they got the guy with the higher like more direct and then they got the lower guy you know but whatever but like even those guys like they could see a correlation between like this punk band and, you know, their style, which is, like, you know, seems really far apart, but it's, like, like us, like, we look at it, like, oh, we're similar. <laughs> well, Brown's Crew is unique because it's a live band. Yeah. These dudes are rapping. Sabas and Chris are rapping over a live band. I, I mean, it's fresh. It's innovative. It's really good. It's never the same. Uh, yeah, when I first heard them, you know, we've, because we do all these things with different organizations and stuff, when we do find a band that we really like, we always try and do what we can to book them, get them booked, or forward their information to someone who can book them or get them booked. Because it's hard for original musicians. Right. Milwaukee is a seasonal town. The seasonal work combined with the festivals ensures that cover bands... They got year-round work. Make more money because there's these heat. It's a festival season, and those festivals they want to bring in the bands that bring the most people, and that's what cover bands do. So Milwaukee's not a creative town in the festival scene mostly, except for, except for all the festivals that we work, yeah, which is well, the like other the, thing, the, like the Center Street Days and Locust Street Festival, Chill on the Hill, Mishmash. Yeah. 
Fifth Street uh, Festival. What's the one in the Flannel Fest? Washington Park. Or... Uh, Washington Park Wednesdays. Um, Beat Street. Um, all those festivals are booked by friends of ours who have impeccable taste in music. Not the same taste. Right. But I don't think I think the only time we mix the cover band is if someone put it on a bill for the ironic quality of it, and <laughs> that's that's really wonderful. But it all it continues with this whole scene of people like you mentioned build a scene i've been doing that for decades yeah so have my friends and you know um it's hard because right now we have uh, politics working against us we have economics working against us and i'm gonna say we have technology working against us yeah you know i will say that too because uh i find uh because i have like a boatload of friends and when I blast stuff out into the netherworlds of social media, I have way more um, contact with people on my personal page because I have so many friends. Um, but if I put it out on like the band page or if I put it out on you know our podcast page or whatever, I'm not gonna get that that much like viewership. But it's but that's because they want you to pay for it and they want you to boost it and they want you to do all this shit. But I'm like. Well, you know what? I got over 4,000 Facebook friends, so I'm just going to post this shit where everybody's going to see it. Or, you know, you got to fuck with the algorithm. It's just bullshit that they make you do it that way. Well, but it's... It, it, it's... You know, it's just like this monopoly, and they're there to make money off of you, just like anybody else, because they're all a bunch of fucking greedy capitalists. Changing times um, are a constant. Mm-hmm. And when I started playing... In the early 70s, oh, I did God, my first so show old. in 1973 <laughs> at a bar called Bobby Baller's Pub on Ryan and Highway 32. I think we knew they two... had bars out there. Wasn't we... it all country out that no, way? No, no, we it was a biker bar. We knew we knew uh, Inagata de Vida. We played um, in the court of the Crimson King until you got to the fast part, and uh, <laughs> and uh. Right, and then uh, there was a, a Genesis song that we played. So we played three songs, and we played them like three times. That's all we knew. <laughs> but it was a great gig. And then I joined a band that did Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Chicago, like an eleven-piece band called Lowdown. Jesus. And uh, we God. did. Uh, we played high school dances. I didn't go to dances at my high school. I played the dances at my high school, and uh, that went to the Antmuch, which was a really relatively successful band that never released any albums. So. A lot of these bands never released albums, but I was writing songs the entire time. And uh, you said you started when you were four. I did as well with uh, yeah. classical piano at Cardinal Church College. Let me get back to the changing times and why technology is hurting us. In the 70s, music was about relationships yep. between the bands, other bands, and audiences. And in order to develop taste, you had to go hang with people and yeah. develop relationships that developed your taste in music and people you hung with. We t- we actually talk about this all like this kind of thing all the time. And as technology has made it easier to find things, it also makes it easier to discard things. Yep. yep. So in order to find new things, um, people get these things all the time, and there's so much information now because everybody has their 20 seconds of fame, and if you find a clever song or a niche market or a novelty song, you can get that 20 seconds of fame, but you're disposed of much more quickly now. 
And what that's resulted in is artists who can't stay in the system long enough to have returned products enough to renegotiate better album deals. Mm -hmm. So all of us get shitty, fucked album deals, which pay us 0.0000.1 cent per play, which is not how much the fucking song is earning, okay? Right. So what's happened is we've made it easier for people to acquire taste, but easier for them to throw it away. At the same time, we live in a society where expendability is also easier in food and commodities and planned obsolescence we're that way too musicians are suffering planned obsolescence Mm -hmm. and technology is one of the things that drives this because it encourages all those behaviors technology encourages us not to hang out and now that we have a virus now that it's apocalypse meow officially, yeah. <laughs> somebody oh, showed me that Simpsons thing the other night, and I'm like, yeah. this is the most hilarious thing, but it's true. Apocalypse meow was also predicted by the Simpsons. Yeah. And uh, there's one of the cats right there. Yeah. Those little bastards that are spreading their goodness. I mean, virus. <laughs> jokes, jokes, all jokes. Um, but seriously, this, the pandemic is simply exacerbating what was already occurring. Yeah. The separation of people from each other the ease of gaining culture without doing the work to acquire the taste. If you don't do the work to acquire the taste, then your taste holds less value to you. It's hollow. Because you haven't done any work to get it. It's hollow. And so you throw it out. It's more expendable. It's easier to throw out. It's so That's easy what... It's so easy to delete a digital file, but it's so much harder to throw away a physical album, a, a physical tape, you know what I yep. mean? And yep. we're acquiring so much of our music through these digital files now. And it's fine, you know, it gets, it gets the music out there, like you were saying, like it's cool, and, and I guess you have the ability to reach more ears. But there's something that's so much more tangible about holding that, that album, that CD, that tape, whatever it is, in your hand and having a connection to that music, you know, that, that you can't just throw away with just and, a click. And actually, I don't, you don't know this about Travis, but Travis is a, a knack for, like, he goes to Goodwill and he, like, in all these, like, thrift stores and estate sales and whatever... He has like an eBay store and whatever. And one of his biggest sellers is physical like cassette tapes. People yeah. pay a bunch of money for these old cassette tapes that somebody just like threw away and gave to Goodwill. And it's one of these things that, but there's also on the other side of the coin, there's a market for these people that, I mean, I guess like one of the biggest things was like old R&B tapes are extremely high in demand sure yeah and like i just sold some hair rock tapes tonight you know a bunch of bon jovi and warrant and stuff like that because you know it's probably going to somebody who who may not ever listen to them but they want that visceral thing that they hold in their hand you know that they hold in their hand with those liner notes that they remember from when they were a kid when when they had that one tape in their pocket on the way to school, you know, walking to school and it kept them company and like they memorized every lyric to every song, you know, and like we don't have that visceral connection to our music anymore. I tell you what. It's also a smarter investment because if you purchase a cassette tape, you own it. Yeah. It lasts until it starts stretching many, many years or decades. You purchase a CD, you drop it once, skips, won't play. Purchase a sound file, 
Have you ever suffered trying to transfer your iTunes library from computer to computer to computer? Yep. Right. Fucking nightmare. Yep. Okay, you buy records, you buy cassette tapes, you own them. You don't have to transfer them. You don't have to ask someone permission to use the file you bought 10 years ago. And you don't have to share. And you don't have to, yeah. <laughs> like, this is mine. This is mine. Yeah, you this is my music. Own. I own this music, you know. Physical, <laughs> yeah. physical possessions yeah. of music are a wiser investment. Yeah. And I find that, um, that I play records more than anything. Yeah. But we have learned to back up our audio libraries regularly because the iTunes fuggery taught me that, well, it, it's just like any of these online books. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a great idea until your book falls out of favor and right. they erase it from your tablet like yep. they did to 1984 and currently are discussing doing with, ironically, Fahrenheit 450. Hold on, hold on, Trisha. We got we got to absolutely take a break. We're going a little long here. So let's okay. take let's take a quick break and we'll be right back because I really want to keep talking about this. So okay. we'll be right back. All right. Excellent. All right you're listening to radio free galaxy brought to you by faker lager faker lager is the only alcoholic beer with a non-alcoholic label because your husband may be a quitter but you sure the fuck ain't radio free galaxy is brought to you by granny fanny fart clumpers <laughs> And we're back. And before the break, we were talking a lot about physical media. And honestly, I could talk with uh, Paul about that forever. I love physical media. I love holding those records, those movies, those VHS tapes in my hand. It's it's such a more personal experience when you're actually holding that piece of media than instead of just streaming it. You can't throw it away that easily. You might actually end up watching that thing or listening to that record more times than you normally would, you know, to actually get it. Like sometimes you don't dig a record when you first hear it, you know. Sometimes you have to hear it three, four times to get what that musician or what that band was doing. And you're just never going to do that with physical, with with digital media, you know. And and, and digital media has its place because of the convenience and the portability portability effect, you know, like I use, I primarily use digital media because, you know, my car and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. is like, I don't have a CD player. I don't have a cassette player in my car. What's, but I can I can link up to one of the streaming platforms. Yeah. Um, but you know, in your home, that's a different thing. And as I'll say this, my personal experience is now that you know we've recorded. You know, we our last album was out on vinyl. Um, dude, seriously, nothing sounds better than fucking vinyl. Yep. Yeah. Uh, of course. Dude, dude seriously, like, uh, oh god, like you heard the record, like the digital, and then versus the vinyl, and then mm-hmm. a lot of that had to do with Paul, um, and the way he like, you know, did a mix down and master. You okay there? You dying? Sorry. Are you dying? Is this the end? Is this how it ends? I strongly recommend using a hookah next time. Uh, so the physical media part is fascinating because my generation I'm 60 fucking years old I don't know how I lived this long that's all and and every year is a blessing let me tell you and every year keeps getting better except I sleep more now 
Yeah. My generation has seen the population of Earth double. Yeah. First mm. generation. Seen the population of so Earth double. So you're like officially a boomer. Now? Well, I'm at the tail end of them. I, I hate being labeled because most, know, of, the, know, most of the boomers I know are self-absorbed, narcissistic motherfuckers. Yeah. But in my generation, we've seen records, reel-to-reel tapes, eight-track tapes, cassette tapes, yeah. CDs, data discs, data tapes, laser-infused crystals, rewritable hard drives. <laughs> you know, now everything is digitized files. Of all of those media... Records sound the best 50 years later. Yep. Right. Period. The oldest night. one. The oldest format lasts the test of time better. Yep. We call this progress. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Okay, now let me take an artist. I paint a bunch of paintings. A series of paintings. What did Monet do? Hay bales? A lot of people, painters, these series. Would you look at one painting and understand their work? No. Why do we judge artists on singles and not listen to fucking albums? If I wanted you to hear my work as a single, I wouldn't make albums. I make albums so you can hear the song with the time between the song, short or quick. Because that, that's actually really important. I or mean... long and patient. Yep. Depending if I want to slap you with the next song or make you think about it, brings the listening experience to a different level when you listen yep. from song to song, as intended. Many famous albums that I love, Heavy Weather, Weather Report, one of my favorites, Dark Side of the Moon, I can only listen to album sides because yep. right. that's the way you should listen to them. But we've made it now, and just what? It's also financially rewarding for corporations to have artists who are single artists versus album mm -hmm. artists. Yep. So there's a financial incentive to take the relationship that happens with a longer piece of work, which requires a longer media, which requires longer attention spans, which requires all these things that our culture is geared not to support, is the same thing that artists do. Because you go to an art museum, you don't see one painting, you see a room with right. a theme. And then if it's one artist, you go to the next room where the theme paintings from a different style of their work may be. Or here's the black and white charcoal sketch period of their life. Or here's when they were showing how they created their art phase of their life. But you don't see single pieces. Yeah. You don't right. look at art as here's a single. Why do we do that with music? Why don't we look at albums anymore as the definitive standard? We're presenting and listening to our music. I, I will say though too, like I mean, that goes into like a lot of the stuff that is considered singles is just like it's just ear candy, and it's not it's not um and it's it's super over processed, um, and you know like it's it's like designed that way. So like you know like the dark side of the moon kind of thing is kind of gone to the wayside, um, because people are just writing that one song. So, you know, it's like, so do I really want to hear, like, a whole uh, album of, you know, pop songs or whatever? I mean, I guess, I guess music in general is just, like, watered down for the masses, which is unfortunate, 
um, because people are missing out on a lot of good shit, you know, that, that if, you know, like, you listen to a whole album, like, you kind of understand their personality, you understand, you know, where they were and where they're going, and, and, and it's just, it, it, it all, it all goes back experience. to, yeah, it all goes back to the record companies for me. It's how, it's how they are trying to sell popular music to us at the moment. You know, like, like Paul was saying, they're selling us a single, you know, and the image of the artist where at one time there were bands that were creating things that had a vision. They had something that they wanted to say. And it wasn't necessarily about, yeah, of course they'd like to make money and, you know, make this their job and they'd love to have a hit and people to, to dig them and everything like that. But it was more about creating this vision that they had. We don't get like concept albums anymore. You know what I mean? Where it's it's an experience that a band is trying to give you. A band like Rush or, you know, like you were saying, like Pink Floyd or something like that. They're trying to give you an experience, a, a feeling that they have. And you can never convey that with just a single yeah and it also uh, it supports the expendability uh, yeah. there are bands that do um concept things uh, mm -hmm. space raft did one recently a really awesome impressive work uh godspeed black emperor always i always love them they're conceptual you know whole album side 30 30 minute songs <laughs> uh, nice. that's awesome too um but overall, it's just that uh, we've we've gone we've lowered our standards mm -hmm. for how uh, what we you, purchase. We do don't want to purchase things we, that last. Do you think we'll, it's that we lowered our standards, or somebody created a world? In the end, we choose. We choose. So if, yeah. if we don't take responsibility for what we're doing, then I get it. Then we're fools. If, we're, if yes, we've thing, we've done it. We've allowed is, ourselves to be swayed. Yeah. Into lowering our standards. But it's certainly. a thing that is like pushed in commercials and pushed in like uh, TV shows and pushed in movies. Are these just like catchy, like like one hit, like whatever? And it's just like that's it's just like recycled over and over and over. It's kind of like you know when you hear Dangerous Rhetoric, it's like it's recycled over and over and it becomes an echo chamber. And it's actually similar with music where it's like the expectations, like that's all they hear. That's it's like it's on the mainstream. It's like you know not. You know, musicians are the ones that are gonna, or people that are that that have more more interest in music are the ones that are gonna dig deeper. But the average consumer um, yeah. is not being presented with more. So who's? So I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I I think I blame it more on mass the mass media and the mass corporation. Well, you're in a band yeah. that writes and sings songs about the mass media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little biased. I mean, I mean, how, like, yeah, I'm a little biased. Like, how can I not, like, talk about how, like, I think everything's fucking corrupt, but, you know, that's mm. a different day, but whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's intentional, you know, as well, because it's, it's easier to promote things that don't have content Mm. because content can be threatening to corporations, especially we live in an age now where the battle between humans and corporations is epic and has yeah. been going on for my whole life. And face it, right now, humans are retreating. Mm -hmm. And when you have music defined by sales, inevitably, the crappiest music is the most popular. Because the common denominator in humanity is most of them do not have refined and delicate taste. 
right. they have spent years or decades acquiring right. in music or art. So you end up having, name a generic band. There are bands from Wisconsin that are very successful that I am not fans of, who shall remain unnamed. But their music is very middle of the road, very yeah. Casper Milktoast. I think I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> Never threatening. And yeah. that music is popular because it appeals to a wide number of people. Yeah. Critically, historically, is it relevant? Is it important? Will it last the test of time? No. Probably not. No. But because we judge things by commercial, financial standards, success, those bands are deemed successful. All it shows is that we live in a culture where success is deemed by profit. And right now, the profit margin as a guiding social standard for any of our life has showing its weak links in its ability to mandate any kind of society that is good for us and especially for musicians, yeah. that we are taking such a hit from the pandemic because we do not get handouts, because yeah. musicians and the arts are not a field that are respected, mm -hmm. because we are expendable, because yeah. our work is expendable, because nobody pays any money for it. These are all tied together yeah. into these issues, which are social yeah. and political at heart but financial because of the system we live under. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. What's one of the what's one of the first programs that gets cut when there's a budget problem in a school? It's arts. It's always arts, right? It's yeah. never sports yep. first. It's never sports. It's always art. No, and you know, you know the thing though about sports is that it's because of the the, the team camaraderie, but doesn't that actually make you think that it's like you're easily uh you're if you're willing to be part of a group, like, okay, well, we want people to be part of the group. You know, we don't want people to be free thinkers, which artists are. I mean, there's, there's that dynamic. It's like, like, I don't think people like go that far to think of that sort of thing. But I mean, there's so much importance with like uh, the arts in school and music and even that development at an early age. I mean, I feel like, you know, like, I consider myself a fairly intelligent person, but I actually believe that because of because I was using that creative side of my brain. Like, you know, you're using a different area that not everybody uses and I think everybody, you know, you think differently or you you know, you're 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 more of a free thinker because like, you know, you wanna do things but people don't want People, I'm using quotation marks, don't want you to be a free thinker. They want you to be part of a group, which is why sports are fucking important. Mm. Well, what, look at what you learned, Tricia. You learned music. Yeah. And then, let's say, like me, in high school. I was in sports. I was in music. I'm still in music. I don't do those same sports. I do low-impact sports now, things that don't hurt my knees. Yeah, yeah you can't do sports forever. Either. All right, well, there's yeah, a limited life span to 90% of the sports that are competitively done. Yeah. And by commodifying a young person's game, mm -hmm. you reinforce also the same weaknesses. You reinforce a planned obsolescence. Yeah. You reinforce that we're all expendable. Because sports stars. Hey, guess what? We got a song uh, on uh, our new album called Expendable. And, and, and I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. But musicians, we do this our whole lives. Yeah. So we are the least 
expendable because our impact is not flaky, is not based in some um, irredeemable value system promoted by uh, corporate war at every game. I mean, many things about sports have nothing to do with sports whatsoever, but have to do with culture and the cultural war. Right. And what's happening is they're supporting the things that support short-term expendable behavior and not supporting the things that support independent thought, creativity, and long-term human relationships, which the arts and music do. Absolutely. This is also part of the commodification of education systems yep. because the same corporations that are funding pro-profit education systems are also tied in with sponsorship for, for uh, corporate sports. So. By, by our failure to continue to support music, uh, we're simply mirroring what's happening in society in general and at large. And, and it's not for the betterment of society because, like I mentioned, you can't do sport. I went to my high school reunion, you know, 20-year reunion a bunch of years back of sports people. Guess what? They didn't look so good. The musicians, <laughs> wait, wait, the I, musicians, I, I, we all looked pretty damn close I, to how I, we I, did. I actually just you want know? to interject. So Travis and I and Rich all went to high school of the arts. Yeah. So we didn't have sports. Mm -hmm. But uh, when it came time for my 20-year reunion, and twenty, actually my 20-year reunion, um, I'll say that, was it, no, it was the 10-year reunion. Um, it was canceled due to a lack of interest. <laughs> Um, and then, and then the twenty-year reunion was also canceled yep. due to a lack of interest. Mine too. <laughs> they got to the yeah, is too. That's that's the difference between artists and sports people. Like we don't give a fuck. We don't like like I talk to all the people that I went to high school with. Like why do I need to go to a fucking reunion? Yeah. But it, you know, it, but the other. I mean, the other thing too is like I mean, like uh, our school actually has gatherings randomly of like multiple years like you know we're like hey anybody that graduated in 90 to 2000 like we're all meeting up here we have these like facebook groups we're all meeting up here and like it's everybody like because we're all musicians and artists and like whatever somehow even that 10 year span we all know each other because we're still artists and whatever That's awesome. I'm, I'm sure like if you're a you know sports guy you know, like, you don't give a fuck about, like, what your teammates did in high school or whatever. I mean, unless you went to the same college or whatever. I mean, you you know, there's a there's a connection, but it's because, like, you're of that free thought. Because, like, we like to engage in conversations. We like to, um, you know, share our, our drawings and our music and, you know, dance and, like, whatever. I mean... I, I'll say this. I don't think I would have ever graduated high school if I didn't go to an arts high school, and I'm sure Travis feels the same way. Absolutely. Sure, I, I, you know, I, never, I never would have graduated. There's no way I would have graduated. It was, I, I will say, you know, in hindsight, like, I had an amazing high school experience. I learned mm -hmm. a lot. We had jazz. We well, had I grew up shit. in South Milwaukee. There was an actual jazz ensemble. Yeah, we had, well, that and, was uh, our thing. You know, I mean, yeah, I played in every uh, musical group I could. And then, you know, I did, like I said, I did some sports, cross country. I was oh, on we the, had, we had cross country. I was on the golf team. <laughs> I did the, uh, the golf team. That was cool because, well, we got to play a lot of golf. It was a right. lot better than going to other classes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't want to, oh. I don't want to totally demean the role of like sports. Like sports is fine and everything, but everything should have its place. And you shouldn't replace sports with art, with creation. It can't be one or the other. 
Yeah. They, they, I wait, mean, wait. Musicians get point zero 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 one on songs. Yeah. That's similar to minor league players. Mm-hmm. So there are sports people who aren't doing it for the money. Sure. It's tough to get through, you know, the, the field clubs, the, mm-hmm. the seed clubs in the minor leagues. Yeah. Um, and the, and also, you know, you're very susceptible to injury. So well, it's I a mean, it's a, a young person's a game. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a sacrifice. You know. And or, I, and or I you, do. Or you're gonna wreak havoc on your body if you're. I mean, that's if you go there professionally. But like most, like you know, the high school sports thing is just like, it's it's. It's more likely for people to be music and artistic, musical and artistic or whatever, and be just like self-satisfied as opposed to like somebody that plays sports that doesn't make it. I mean, you're going to give that up because it's like, well, I'm never going to make it to me, but it was fun while I did it. You know, that sort of thing. And part of the cultural shift that has hurt musicians as well now is because of not just so many more sports available. But so many more options in entertainment yeah. in general. Right. And that when I grew up playing, you know, we would play in Milwaukee County every weekend of the month and get serious guarantees and have packed houses of people who sang along with your original songs, with radio support on the major stations. Yeah. I mean, those times were unique because the options that people had at their disposal were far less and so far more people came out to see bands every weekend original bands and even though the music was dated it was the 70s and you can diss on any generations of music if you're from a different generation if you choose but each generation has its own unique positive strengths and the 70s were community Mm -hmm. and activity there were more places to play and more community among musicians and that started to demean as the options for entertainment increase for the average person. So it's, you know, part of that is the inevitable trend um, of the march of technology, which, as I mentioned before, has a lot of downsides. Yeah. And one of the downsides is this entire thing of options, options, options. Yeah, it's you're like right, cable you're right, TV. You're right. And I mean, it, you know, it's like, is it because, you know, everybody, you know, supposedly, you know, they say, like, you know, ADHD is like more common or whatever is like I mean are we almost like causing this by like distracting people so quickly well yeah, I mean if you try and do too many things you suck at all of them <laughs> and so one reason I, I started Lova Nova in 2008 9 was because I played so many different instruments and in so many bands I wanted to just play one instrument the Hammond organ and I was like well I'll just write a bunch of songs or take some old songs and rearrange them and do a band where I'm just playing the Hammond. And it was a blessing and a joy. Is it a B3? Yeah. Did you have a Leslie cabinet? I got four Leslies and six Hammonds at this point. Each one of them is like a child. I could never get rid of any of them. I'm like, that might rekindle my love of the piano again but what it does I lo- is i play i i got to record on a b3 when i was in high school for jazz and it was like you know i was like and they got that leslie oh they're beautiful spinning. oh my god and then also there was a, a Rhodes, a yep. Rhodes seven of yeah of like the old school like george Rhodes is what the other one was so anyways so i limited my focus and gained a heightened sense what was i saying earlier if you love something you study it 
Yeah. So you understand it, so you can participate on a different level. Like people take yoga, people do all kinds of avocations or hobbies or you know things they love. For me, I studied the Hammond organ more, even though I had enough knowledge from having played it for decades and decades, by restricting my use of other things. Yeah. Same thing with us humans. We multitask like shit. The more shit you do, the shittier you do all that shit. If you focus on something and study it and practice, you do it better. Nowadays, because we reward people too early in the process, they never do that extra study. We reward them when they write a four-chord song and look good and have a little bit of talent to sing on key. That's oh, what, what do you a mean? great Some song. Some of our songs are four chords. <laughs> Your songs are deep and intense. Murder Generation has songs that have so many different things, and it's classic punk rock. I'm talking about some of the bands yeah, that I, I see I who shall remain nameless, who can barely play their freaking instruments, so I wish yeah. they practice at least enough to tune, okay? Whoa. So if you're going to play it, <laughs> but seriously. We're going to have a sidebar conversation when this is over. We're definitely, ap- the, yeah, after we stop recording. The, I don't know who the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> we're we're going to name those names, and I have no. one name in mind that I think he's talking about, but I tell you what, we, we, got, about, we got about five, six minutes left. No, Paul, we would, have to do a show on all the good yes. stories that I have. Yes, absolutely. And then we'll do another show on all the weird stories. Yeah. And then we'll do another show on all the oh my god <laughs> stories. <laughs> yeah. Paul's and, taking over. You remember we were telling we were saying that Juan was gonna uh, yeah. what did I say that he was gonna be the uh, He was gonna hijack the show. Yeah, he was gonna hijack the yeah. show or and then we said uh Brandon or Thurston from Zor was gonna hijack the show. He's mm. still he's yet to come on January first. He's you know, he might deliver. <laughs> um, cause that guy that guy's got some shit going on, but so okay. wait, let's he talk Murder Generation. Murder Generation, <laughs> hip hip band, really yeah. hip. Clever lyrics, solid parts, uh, traditional, high-quality punk with some twists. Um, remind me of some old-school bands from the 90s, from the like, Racine Kenosha, Billy Club-esque punk rock kind of scene. Um, I think they were close to like maybe I always say I always minor say, threat like maybe eighties minor threat uh, yeah like minor threat black flag like, yep you know circle jerks like the the older style like the early eighties dead Kennedys that yeah. sort of that sort of thing we're 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 not we got we got a lot of things to say yeah. that's, that's the thing you know and we say it real quick <laughs> <laughs> we get a lot of lyrics out in a short period of time it's yeah. it's um. It's like getting mugged and not realizing it until the mugger is a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> nice, dude. Nice. I like, it. I like it. So, Emmy, what do you think of what we've done so far? Is it good? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I got the studio musician showing up in an hour to replay all the fucking parts. Oh, I, <laughs> fuck I mean, I guess on that note, are we gonna like, are we gonna end this? You know, yeah, we should. Uh, we should say that it's been a wonderful day in the studio, yeah. and that the the new MG songs are uh, solid. Uh, we've done a couple of different things with tones. The band has matured as players, technically. Um, Rich's songs, Trisha's parts. I. They're just uh, some of those are my songs too. And your songs are, are I'm sorry, I thought Rich wrote all of them. No. Oh awesome. It's never um, been that way. Are put together uh really, really well. And so anybody who hasn't checked out Murder Generation, yo, fool, what are you missing? <laughs> and also you can look up Paul. Paul is 
doesn't self-promote, but he's at Knieverland Productions. He's got a Facebook page. He's got an Instagram page. And uh, he's also doing these, like, fucking wicked live streams with lights and, like, whatever. Oh, wait. In, I, ring. in, in tribute to what, what I'm doing Tuesday for MSC, we're going to have... The wonderful Milwaukee musician, Paul Seabar. He's the one who sings the weather to people. <laughs> and I want to just say, Paul, I'm singing a tribute to your show on Tuesday right now on MSC. It's the MSC Local Live Christmas Party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> live right. from the ring, 6 p.m. Tuesday. There you go. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Right, on that note, on that note, we're gonna call it a day, right? Because it's been a fucking long one. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long day, man, and this has been really cool. I'm really digging Paul's vibe, and uh, I I really appreciate you coming on the show, Paul. Uh, we, you know, we need to get back and do this again, and talk about physical media some more, and where all this went wrong, and how we can. I'm here tomorrow. We can do it tomorrow. Oh, well, yeah, we can no, do it tomorrow. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we'll definitely. Yeah, I... I'm totally interested in hanging out anytime you and Trisha want to, Travis. Yeah. It's been uh, a slice. You both are wonderful conversationalists, and thanks for letting me take over your show. Appreciate it. And thank you, Trisha, for doing this after you've had a long day of recording. Really yeah. appreciate it. I think this is a really cool episode. So we'll, we'll rejoin this conversation again. And until next time, you can find Radio Free Galaxy on Anchor at anchor.fm slash Radio Free Galaxy. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram. And we just started a YouTube channel, so check that out too. So until next time, this has been Radio Free Galaxy. See you later. Mm-hmm.